Welcome to Welcome to the Gun Show. I am joined by Garrett. Hello, everybody. And Eric. Hello, everybody. And tonight we're speaking to Mr. Albert Vessels for the second time, but you don't know about that. <laughs> Hello again, everybody. <laughs> we're, we're very glad to welcome Elkin, Mel, uh, Albert to the show. Steve, when you, when you get a second take, you fuck the whole thing up, Kune. Um We're very glad to <laughs> welcome Albert to the show. Uh, for those of you who, who don't know, Albert is a very well-known shooter in IPSC in South Africa. Uh, he is pretty much the man to beat in classic division. Uh, he's also a very well-known and well-known and well-respected instructor when it comes with a with a particular sort of focus on practical shooting training through his business hit factor training or through his training school hit factor training. So we are very glad to have Albert on the show. We're really looking forward to this. Um, the 30 minutes of talking that Cornet didn't record was awesome. Um, so we're hoping the bits he did record will be even better. So, Albert, thanks so much and, and welcome on the show. Thank you very much for having me, guys. You know, I listen to the show quite often. I always enjoy it. And um, it's an honor for me to be uh, chatting to you guys. We're really happy to have you on. It's, uh, it's awesome to finally get you on. <laughs> You were as well. No one knows this because I didn't record. But as Derek said earlier, you were on our original list when we when we we started the show. We sat down and we we're like, "Well, you know, we have a show. What the hell are we going to do with this thing?" And there was a list of people we wanted to interview, and you were one of the original people. You were one of the first three names. It's just been like a timing thing that we've eventually got to it now. <laughs> oh, I'm honored. Thank you very much. Uh, so. What we were hoping we could chat about, amongst other things, but but what we thought we would start with is is how you how you got into shooting, um, you know, sort of from the from the very beginning to sort of the the shortish, like less than two week version of of how you got to where you are today. Okay, then we'll we'll cut this one shorter. Um, I started. No, no, no. I was I wasn't saying be shorter. No, the, the last one was really good. The one Cornet didn't record. Cornet's going to hear a lot of this tonight. <laughs> it's fine. Corn, it's not going away, dude. <laughs> this is how I learned. Not very smart. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm the, the typical, I think, South African, South African story, and uh, grew up shooting. And first, you were given all the rules about gun safety by your dad and your uncle and your grandpa, and then you were allowed to go and. Uh, shoot some with the air rifle. And in, if you were safe enough, you were allowed to go out and take the air rifle on your own. And first you were given free reign to, to, to pellets and then eventually it became part of your pocket money because you're wasting them. And then, yeah, <laughs> from there on, <laughs> you graduate once you've proven yourself to 8.22. And then the next big step is the, the old shotgun. And uh, I will tell you the story a little bit later, but... Once you graduate to the shotgun and you uh, you become a man when you go on your first hunt and you get to shoot the buck. And yeah, you know, and um, like I say, you, you graduate through all the parts and you get taught maybe not always the best things, but you get taught the basics of, of firearms and gun safety and, and ammunition and all those kind of things. And in my particular case, I was lucky to have a good role models throughout my career. The first was a, a cousin of my dad's, who was um, um, 
And, you know, he's the guy that, that taught me most about shooting. He was the guy who took me shooting the first time ever with a, a, a Beretta Model 71 pistol in 22LR. And look, once the first time that I managed to hit the target with that thing, it was it was gone. I was in love with handguns. And he was the guy, the guy who taught me about reloading and making my own ammunition and why one caliber was better than the other. And yeah, you know, throughout the years, I was always had a fascination with handguns. And, you know, while on the way to, to university, once I, like I said, I, I always wanted to join the police. I always wanted to go into forensics. And my dad said, no, first you will... You know, you will become, it's better to become a doctor or a lawyer or something. And then I chose something. And that's where, that's where the mistake started. <laughs> doctor of a ding, the word of a ding. And uh, yeah, um, during the time in between studies, I, I joined a quite a well-known gun shop in Pretoria, which was VLT Arms at that stage. And after that, I eventually managed to join the police and went to the forensic science lab at the ballistics unit where I worked for 17 years. And during those times, I met two of the best South African police shooters that there was at that time, and also two of the best in the country, and arguably two of the best in the world, one which, which was Dion DeLonge, and the other which was Eugene Lurie. And these two guys guided me on the way um, to really get my, to get ahead in the sport. But um, during my student days, just to get back to you a little bit before that, during my student days, I, I went and I, I was interested in into this practical pistol shooting or combat shooting, as they were still calling it those days. And uh, I went to see a match and I went to watch my first nationals just as a spectator at Premier. And uh, I met a, a lovely old guy there. He wasn't that old then. But, um, yeah, that's a long time ago, you know. <laughs> and this great guy uh, called Malcolm Smith took me under his wing and he said to me, you know what, I can see you've got an interest in the sport and you're the guy who's, who's helping and, and coming to, to do a little bit of extra uh, and, and picking up brass and doppies and mags and helping everybody for two days at the Nationals that you're not shooting. And he took me under his wing and he, he taught me most of it. You know, and, and before I met the guys from the police, he was probably my biggest mentor in, in becoming a practical pistol shooter. And up to the day, you know, the present day, um, I still love shooting with Uncle Mel. It's always a great day when I get to speak, to spend a day with him at the range. And, you know, even for a guy that's now, I hope he's not going to hate me for this, but he's 66 this year. And uh, he still kicks back from a lot of young guys, you know. He still gives the young guys a big surprise. Mm. And, um, you know, all about how you how you behave on the range and what you do and how good the sport is. And that probably one of the other things is that nobody's bigger than the sport. You know, a lot of that I learned from Uncle Mel. And I think he gave me the grounding and uh, started me on the way. And then, you know, after the good, the good and, and, and really advanced training that I received from uh, Dion DeLonge and from Eugene Lurie in particular, um, I was lucky enough to be associated with Rescomp, which I'm still with today, you know, the guys who still make the best holsters and the stuff in the world. And uh, through them, I got to meet a lot of my, my shooting idols. You know, I got to, to hang out with Chris Daly and I got to hang out with um, Max Michel and... 
um, Travis Tumasi, the guy with the quickest reload you've ever seen. And then, you know, and also with Eric Rafael. And a lot of these guys have become close personal friends through through Rescomp and and through being associated with them. And, and you know, luck of the draw for me, I, I got to meet and become close personal friends with these guys and also get a lot of training from them. You know, and um, I must say that shooting has been very good to me over the years that I've done it. And I appreciate it. And I, I believe that it's probably the best and most unique sport in the world because where will a guy from South Africa end up shooting in a, in a world championships and um, spend the whole week shooting with three world champions, you know, with something like 11 world champion titles between those three guys. And you get to spend the whole week with them and uh, get to be able to shoot and participate shoulder to shoulder with your, with your idols. And then you realize, but you know, they also become fast friends and friendships that last forever. And, um, as I've always said, you know, Ipswich is a great game. It's probably the best game you can have with your clothes on. But uh, the thing that's even better than the game... <laughs> Coming in the future, naked Ipswich. <laughs> <laughs> um, better than the game is the people who play it. You know, and uh, even, I think even if you have a bad day at the range, the people that you're shooting it with and the people that you get to associate with makes every day spectacular. And the friendships that you make and, and the things that you learn and the people that you get to interact with is probably the best people you will meet in your life. We can absolutely agree with that. Um, as I said earlier, the the people who shoot IPSEC are a, are a really special bunch, um, welcoming, uh, massively helpful, and they want people to be part of the sport. They want people to grow. Uh, they're there to help you, which is quite unique in my experience um, compared to some of the other sports that I've, I've been involved with over the years. Uh, Ipsic has a really welcoming air about it. And like I said, it really does close the gap between uh, the average everyday dude who likes to shoot some guns and their idols. Um, I'm on this podcast as a nobody with three of the great shooters in South Africa. And uh, I wasn't shooting this sport four years ago. This, I've I've built great friendships as a result of Ipsic specifically. So it's, it's an incredible journey. Oh, that vein runs through every discussion we have about the sport, every discussion we have with the guys, you know, on everyone we've interviewed on the podcast, we have that same vein, that same discussion about the sport's really cool. We all love the sport, um, but the people make the sport. Uh and yeah, you know, as, as Albert said, and, and it's, it's an old thing that people have said about it, but it's true. What other sport is there that you can go and, and shoot in a squad with the best in the world? Um, and lots of guys here have, 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 had, have been squatted with Eric because he came and shot a level four and shot a nationals and, and shot a club shoot. Uh, and, and what other sport, you know, if, if you, if you're a golfist, I don't know who the big golfists are at the moment. Um, but it's not often that you get to join a four ball with Tiger Woods. Uh, whereas w with our sport, you actually get to shoot with the best in the world and they don't treat you like something that is stuck on the bottom of their shoe. Uh, you know, I've, I've been lucky enough to shoot with Eric and he'll turn around like any other good squad mate and go try this, uh, 
you've got to be careful when Eric says try this because Eric can do it. Hit <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. the activator with four yeah. rounds. Then Not many other people in the world can do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's just, it, it's so awesome that, that we end up having like variations of the same sort of discussion. Uh, but it's not just a case of we like to shoot guns. It's we like to shoot guns with cool people and Cornet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that is a lie. You don't like shooting guns with me. We love shooting guns with you. I just never leave. <laughs> <laughs> I can't take a hint. <laughs> <laughs> now we stuck with you. <laughs> uh, well, Courtney, you knew you had friends somewhere, but clearly it's not yet. <laughs> it's, it's definitely not on this podcast. Like, if they were truly friends, when we were tipsy and we said, let's start a podcast, they would have said no. <laughs> <laughs> but instead, this is what we're stuck with idea. now. <laughs> <laughs> the time use. <laughs> so, then, uh, what was the what was the thing that went from, or, or what was it was was it a distinctive thing? Was it a process that went from dude who liked to shoot a bit of Ipsic on the weekend to dude whose pretty much entire life was being as good at the sport. Well, this and the other sport that, that you famously did that we can discuss separately, um, as you are. What 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 caused that that change or was it just something that happened? You know, I, I would like to say that um you are competitive by nature, but I think that's the wrong way. I don't you know, people misunderstand saying that you are competitive by nature. I think it's more I don't like sucking. I <laughs> take that as you want but you know I don't like me. <laughs> I walked right into that one <laughs> but you know what you you just don't like to be mediocre at something and I'm one of those guys that once I put my mind to something I want I get extremely focused sometimes to to the way that you have to go onto a diet for nine months but you know, it's it's something that you do, and, and because you want to excel at something, and it's and it's a personal challenge, and that was the way for me. You know, I started out with a um, with a club that was more of a social thing, and then eventually you decide, you know what, you're spending a lot of time here, and you know you start getting interested in the game, and it's one of the things that I always do. You know, we said we'll talk about my training, and I'm going to start it off here. Is one of the things that I say to my guys is is get interested in your shooting because then you'll never get tired of it. You know, guys say, yes, I've burned out. I'm tired of shooting. But there's so much to learn. Every time you pick up that gun, every time that you you fire a shot, there's so much info coming back at you that if you forget about just putting competitiveness aside, you know, and, and forgetting about a placing, but trying to learn as much as you can about it. And especially in the way with EPSIC, you know, you will never be able to master the sport. And I think for me, that is the thing that's kept me going for 24 years um, is that you cannot master this. As soon as you think you know something, there's a better way or there's something to improve. And that to me is a constant drive. And as long as I can keep interested in my shooting, I, I love every second. I love going to the range. I love seeing new stuff. I like trying new stuff. Um, 
thinking, okay, but is there maybe a better way of doing something? And just, you know, there's so much info that you don't always grasp. Just do what the gun is telling you. You can learn everything, you know, but it's a mindset. You can go to the range with a thousand rounds and you can learn nothing. But you can go to the range with 10 rounds and you can learn a thousand things if you pay attention. And I think that for me is the biggest drive. You know, there's always that little something about what can I still do? How far can I go with this? What can I do? What is there more to learn? Um, what is there to tweak? What is what is there that I haven't noticed before? And to me, that is the magic of it. You know, you can never master this game. Never. You can always be better. It's also one of those things where uh, just as you think you've reached the peak of the speed that you're actually capable of, you'll discover that you're wrong. Oh, yes. You can go faster than you think you can. And if you just spend 10 minutes working it, uh, it it's amazing the results you can get. Don't only spend 10 minutes because that's not going <laughs> to stick. But <laughs> what, what you can achieve by by focusing and and being dedicated and working on it is is amazing. Um, yeah, it's never, you know, you, you shift your own limits. And um, th- there's a glass ceiling, but it's something that you create. And as long as we move on, and I think um, Gaz is, a, is, to me, a particular somebody who, ca- who I can lift out in, in that glass ceiling. You know, you put in the work, you keep on working, you keep on getting better, not measuring yourself because that to me, and um, I'm going off on a tangent, but yeah. Tangents are good. Pet we pet like them. <laughs> my biggest pet peeve in South Africa is that we built glass ceilings. Because we do, in my opinion, we have a bit of a lack of exposure. Because we're far away. And um, we don't get the exposure that the guys get in the US or the guys get in Europe, where it's only a couple of hours travel and you're in the next country and you're shooting against the the best in, in so many countries. You know, we do get a little bit stuck in the rut of I need to do so much and I will beat X or Y. And that's not it. I don't want to beat X or Y. I want to beat myself. And once we go to the world shoot or once we get international shooters, yeah, I always consider myself as a, as a big sponge. I'm trying to soak up as much info as I can. And I look at what they're doing and I think to myself, you know what? Yes, maybe they do have more ammo than I do, or maybe they do have better sponsors or more time to do this, or they do it for a profession. But I might not get there as fast as they do, but there's nothing stopping me from getting there. So, you know, we, we put these limits on ourselves and, and we, we create, a, 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 like I say, a glass ceiling for shooting in South Africa because we only compete to be better than the next guy. While we should be not worrying about the next guy, but working hard enough to get way above that. Because the best champions didn't worry about getting better than the next guy. They wanted to be the best that they can be. And um, Gaz, to me, great principle, you know, a great example of that. He's working hard and his, his, um, his results show it. You know, he's climbed through the ranks rapidly. And, um, you know, I was lucky enough to, to work with Gaz a couple of years ago and I said to him then, and I said to some of the other people then, that I do believe that gas will be the next big, next big thing. And he is. And I've got big hopes for him. And I see a great career for him ahead. And um, it's because gas, and now you have to listen to me, don't believe in the glass ceiling. Keep on shattering, breaking through. Work hard. Don't worry about the rest. Get better. 
That's all we need to do is getting a little bit better. I don't need to get 10% better every day. Even if I get half a percent better every day or every week, I can be 50% better by the end of the year. And that's it. You know, there's no stopping. Don't put a limit on yourself. And I think once you get that mindset and once you work on your own shooting and your, your, your own way and start working towards a, a bigger thing that other people might not see, that's what we need. Yeah, Much better than a guy. Better than yeah, what we can be. Yeah. No, thanks very much for that, Albert. I appreciate it. And I really do appreciate the time that you and I got to spend together a few years ago because you definitely helped me get into the stride. You were the first one who sort of opened my eyes to the fact that we need to have more of an open mind with how we progress ourselves. And ultimately, it doesn't matter what the other guys are doing. It matters what you're doing to continue improving yourself. And that's ultimately what it boils down to. If we continue trying to improve ourselves, then we don't have any limiting factors. Because we should be focused on ourselves, hundred percent. Yeah. The the other yeah. problem with using someone else as the yardstick for you to to measure against is that's pretty inconsistent. Mm. Uh, if I use Albert as a yardstick for me shooting classic, and I go, I'm going to beat Albert, and then Albert changes divisions, my whole my whole goal all of a sudden is shifted because my goal's left. Um, that doesn't work. The, the goal needs to be I want to be the very best shooter that I can possibly be, uh, regardless of who I'm competing against. And, yep. Yeah, and I think yes. with my, my interactions with, with various world champions, you know, and the guys that I was lucky enough to meet, all of them have that mindset. You know, they don't mind, they don't, it's not a thing that they have to win, but they don't, they don't like losing. You know, they, and especially, I don't mind if somebody beats me. If you were better than me, good on you, brother. I get upset when I lose to myself. Yeah. So, and that's the thing that drives me. I, I hate it when I screw up because I was not there or I made stupid mistakes or I just didn't prepare enough. You know, so I love it when somebody beats me because it gives me something to work to. Because if you can do it, there's nothing stopping me from doing it. You know, so if you can lift the bar, thank you, brother. You know what? The rising tide lifts all the ships in harbor. So if you can do better, you're inspiring me to get there as well. So, yes. That is fantastic attitude. Like that's the way it should be. Like genuinely. Yeah. So, uh, so I would tell us a little bit about uh, the the divisions that you've played in uh, while you've been doing Ipsic. Um, we know that classic is your first love, as it should be. Um, <laughs> but you've 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 played in man of bells. <laughs> this man is fully committed to John Moses Browning. Like. <laughs> It's a 50-50 split tonight, folks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, guys, when... I mean, um, you all shoot old-fashioned guns with bumps on the top. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, okay. oh, no. oh, I just got downgraded. <laughs> yeah, you see. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, there we go. But does that scratch your back as nicely as a nice sharp front side? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, when I started with the game, there was only open and standard, and standard was a new division. So um, it was that. You had to pick open or standard, and that's how long I've been in the game. And uh, wow. in 2002, there was suddenly this new move, and myself and Uncle Mel were some of the, probably two of the starter members who decided that, you know what, 
we're breaking these guns that we shoot 40 through. We like our nine mils, and this sounds interesting. And we started with production. And um, so I shot standard in the, in the beginning, and I worked myself up into the top 10 in the first couple of years. Um, took a while. There were some very, very good standard shooters. We were looking at the guys like Nick Duplessis and Clint and Clint Racing Snake Rafferty and um, Dion DeLonge and Eugene Lurie and a whole lot of other guys that were really good. So it was a it was a fierce battle, Jonathan Fouchier, um, to name a few. So it was a fierce battle to work yourself and work your way up into into that top 10. First, just to make the top 16. That was a you got a special medal when you got into the top 16 in those days. You know, you started getting bronze medals from top 16. And look, that was that was tough. And, uh, you know, so that was standard and you had to shoot a 40. And those days we still had Vector SP2s, which was, if you could really work that mag, you could get one mag that would take 15 and one. And the rest were 14 and one. And it was a 180 power factor. Man, those things were rough. You destroyed guns in like two years. Eating up the locking blocks on those, like big time. Hey, brother, locking blocks. Um, I can remember the day that Uncle Mel was over shooting over his chronograph and his Glock 22 went on full auto. Through <laughs> 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 the chronograph. That was quite fun. <laughs> but it but was did he hit crazy. the chronograph? He did it the first time, but luckily that was there was a, a piece of bulletproof bulletproof glass in front of the the, the front eye, and okay. as, far as, as far as I know, that bullet is still stuck in that piece of glass in front of that eye. We, we, we need to buy that chronograph and we need to put it in the Epsic Museum, Epsom Museum. We need to found that. And um, yeah, and that and that's how we started. And then we moved over to to production. And man, what 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 a story that was. You know, a lot of people didn't know the rules. So I can clearly remember we went to a shooting, uh, to a match in Mapumalanga. And they, at that stage, we were getting so many problems with guys not knowing the rules. Autos in that case, 2000. You know, because it was a new division and not everybody had inter, um, access to the internet. And it was still that, that funny dial-up sound when you went into the internet and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> And I sent so many questions to Vince Pinto at those stages, you know, and whenever I got an answer from him on email, I would print it out and I had a file that I carried in my, in my range bag with all the questions and all the answers that I received from Epsic. <laughs> and, you know, when we started with that, it was still the five pound double action rule. And we got to a match in Mapumalanga somewhere, myself and Uncle Mel. We drove through and we shot the match. And they tested our, our triggers. And the guy tested our triggers on five pounds for single action. And of course, our triggers didn't make it. Yeah, you'll fail and that every time. No, he says, you failed. You're an open. We're like, no, that must be double action. He says, no bullshit. And we said, but here's the rule. He says, oh, okay, that's a problem because all our guys in Mapuma Longa have made it on single action. <laughs> 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 Okay, so I want to interject something here. That is why Albert's arms look the way that they do, because he decided to do that. <laughs> and like a 27 pound double action. You know, and, and that was the funniest thing, because at that stage, I still shot um, my first hit, I shot my official duty gun, because, you know, the, 
I didn't want to shoot my Glock at that stage because I had to make trigger, he- he- trigger heavier to get to make the weight. And I had my police gun and I wanted to shoot better with it. And I can tell you what, one, in that first couple of years that we shot reduction, the first shot was a gimme. We didn't have the 15 rules, so as many rounds as you could get stuck into a into a, a factory magazine, is that that's how many rounds the gun could take. And that first shot was have a go at the backstop, and then you start aiming from the single action trigger. <laughs> <laughs> until we actually learned, you know, until we actually learned, but you could shoot a good double action shot. And um, interesting thing to know, and I know a lot of guys in the metro is going to hate me for this. But, you know, we never wanted to shoot a, a CZ-75 because only traffic cops shot those. <laughs> <laughs> Little did we know. <laughs> the superior competition gun is inferior because we don't shoot it. <laughs> so, yeah, so, and, and so things progressed. And um, I shot, uh, shot standard for a couple of years. Then I shot production and I actually became the South African production champion in 2000 or 2001 I can't exactly remember it's a long time ago and um, I went to the world shoot in 2002 on a sponsor slot because sorry Tarek but my Glock 17 broke and I couldn't make the team <laughs> and I, <laughs> I should have taken better care of it <laughs> that was probably it you know but I, I, I mean at that stage you probably had about 100,000 rounds through it so uh, interesting things we learned a lot about guns then and <laughs> I actually went on a sponsor slot, uh, slot from, from Rescom and I shot the pre-match in 2002 and by, by luck I'm, I won the pre-match and uh, got a president's medal for that. Nice. And then I, as far as I remember, I think I placed 11th overall against Dave Savigny yeah. at that, right? And I shot at wow. 92 or 93%. Wow. And um, then, yes, and then we carried on. We shot a whole lot of production for a whole lot of years. And I can clearly remember that I spoke to one of the guys from South Africa because that was about the year that USPSA started single stack. And I said to to one of the guys from one of the big uh, high up guys, international guys from Ipswich, and I said to them, can't we start single stack? And like, no, that is American way. We will not follow the American way. And in all those years, you know, I loved shooting production. Um, and, and I was lucky to be at that stage, the police or the SAPs were still um, its own province. And we had a very good team. I had some of the best guys shooting with me, which was John Engelbrecht, who was a, um, a very good candidate for the show. <laughs> um, yes. And also, Louis. Yeah. also Eugene Louis and Johan Hutton. And for a couple of years, our SAPS production team actually dominated production until they decided, no, that we keep on taking the biggest shooters from the provinces away and they uh, decided to throw us away and <laughs> make us an associated body. <laughs> but uh, those were good days, you know, and then in, in 2012, um, I took a couple of years off for some other sports and crazy dieting. And uh, when I came back, it was when Classic started and it was to me what, if, what I've wanted all the years, you know, and since 2012, I've been heavily into Classic and, uh, Still love it. Still love it to the day. 
to me, it brings all the fun back into the game. As uh, as uh, Austin put it, now he didn't say this about uh, about classic because. As I understand, he has some strong feelings about classic. Um, <laughs> but there's there's men's division and there's ladies' division. And obviously, you and I are in the men's division. And then we'll leave Absolutely. the other two to figure out where they Even fall. though we shoot the lady guy. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell them that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, these arms of mine can't handle a major cut. <laughs> 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 I do recall, though, for the record, I, I do recall a certain classic shooter many, many years ago stating publicly that you would never be able to win with a minor gun. Yes. <laughs> and you know what? And you know what? You know, we need to move on in life. And we, we sometimes <laughs> believe that things are the best. But I will tell you what, I'll tell you what, um, Derek, and... Not to be funny, but I think it's very close. Depending on the match, it's very close. And I think if you if you're one of the top ten contenders, I think still major is the way to go. And but at the start of classic, and when I wrote that post, I do believe that it was true. I think things have changed. And then I'll tell you that if somebody tells me tomorrow that I will win the world shoot, but I had to shoot major. I will still take my chances in mind. <laughs> because that major gun starts empty. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to point out that our minor guns also start empty. <laughs> but those start a little bit more empty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They start, start empty and they 20, stay there. We start 20% less empty then. <laughs> Commence reload on start signal. Yeah. There we go. Easiest way to understand classic, when your feet move, do a reload. <laughs> and sometimes when your feet stay still, you're still doing also a reload. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when in doubt. Reload. reload. Yeah. <laughs> you're not sure what to do, put another bag in your bag. Yeah. And all the classic the boys government. in the back will be will be looking at you, nodding, going, hmm, he, he gets this division. <laughs> yeah, he understands this game. <laughs> Yeah, I've been through it, been through all of it. I've, I've shot most of the divisions. I've I've played in a couple of club shoots with an open gun, even if oh. it's an SP1 in minor, <laughs> but an SP1 sport. But you know what? Eventually, when my eyes get really worse, I will probably move on to the dot. I, Derek, I must give you this. I believe the dot is the future. Um I think there's a major amount to learn from the dot. And it was actually my plan if it if it wasn't, if we would be preparing for the world shoot now, guys, um, the next year I would be shooting some different stuff just to be get into that learning mode again. But yes, COVID decided to move it on a year. So we'll be back into the skinny gun again for another year. And we're really glad to have you in skinny gun for another year. Ah, I love it. I mean, keeps the competition if, up. If, off the record, unfortunately, no one listens to this show. If there was a way for me to shoot a 1911 with a dot, I would be all over that. <laughs> if if yes. they brought a, a modified back, oh, oh yes, I would no. cut. No, I would no, no, cut no. my edges tomorrow. <laughs> no, 
no, I would not go there. Those things, oh my lord, <laughs> shooting a small explosion every time. <laughs> I was there when modified was a thing. No, <laughs> you think an open gun is full of I believe that we're quite aggressive. <laughs> yes. Mm. <laughs> no. Okay, so he's apparently there. we're not going back to modified. No, please he's not. not. <laughs> I have very limited hearing left. <laughs> please don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what you're saying is when your eyes go completely and you move to open with 38 super comp you're going to just go well eyes have had it stuff the hearing because those things are loud sorry what's your name again <laughs> we're saying hearing not memory no, I, I, I'm, <laughs> I think my batteries are dying in his hearing aids I can't hear anything <laughs> no what I really think um, I think production production just as production showed us that standards will take a serious hit I think production optics going to do the same thing to open I, and I just that. cannot see I just cannot see as much as I think open and Formula One is as it is what it is. I think that um, production optics will rule at the end of the day. It's it's just cheaper. The way that the life is going now, it's cheaper and it's it's more accommodating to more people. So I just think it, it it's the way of the future. And gas, I also believe that shooting a a, a minor standard gun is the way of the future. So funny thing that you should mention. Oh, yes, that we've been this. having some chats about. We've that. been having exactly yeah, that discussion. <laughs> we have spoken about that a few <laughs> times. <laughs> yeah, I do, I do believe it's time is coming. Mm. You know, yeah, I think it's with, well on its way to that. I would agree with you. Yes. I think Terry yeah. and Corne will as well. Yeah. Yep. You know, the, so, the, the, you know, things the keep on evolving, and 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 I think we we need to look at what we're doing and, and how we're doing as things as a sport. You know, I know we've got a lot of people saying, yes, we start from martial ways and this and that. But to me, you know, even been there from for a long time already, it's a sport. We need to see how we can grow the sport, not looking back into the past. We keep an eye on the past, but we move into the future. And I think a whole lot of things are going to change in the future. I think what people forget is that uh, dressage as a sport also has martial roots. Um, yes. And if you don't know what dressage is, go Google it. It involves horses and not killing people with them. Um, but I, I think that's the thing that the sport has moved. It's it's no longer about it, – it'll make you a better shooter for everything, but it's no longer about shooting people. It's now about being as good at the sport as you can. Absolutely. Uh, and I th- I think that I think also just the way the way stages have developed and 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 the way you have to shoot score. I mean, our last club shoot, I think, gas shot ninety six percent of the available score, um, yep. if I remember correctly. It's the, the days of 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 standard shooters wanging two charlies at every target as fast as they can have gone. You know, I know it's a long time. Yeah. Ipsic, a, a 10 hit factor is a super rarity. Uh, Absolutely. Know, hit, hit factor is a, is a solid. I, I, you know, what I think with my training, um, especially, you know, and I think Derek with, from you as well, hmm. and, and Taz for your, or Gaz from your um, 
from your training perspective, you, you start to look at, at heat factors over stages and over matches. And I think a common a common heat factor in South Africa at least is about a five. That's a high heat factor. Yeah. And um, yeah. there's very few stages where you get above that. If you can get above that, you're doing well. Mm. Um, but, you know, from my discussions with Eric as well, um, he, he'll tell you straight, if you want to be in the top, you need to shoot 90, 95% of the score the whole time. At least you will not make it. Mm. And that's not funny. Every division. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's not specific every, to division. Doesn't matter what. Yep, doesn't and matter And funny that too. And it's funny that you mentioned that, Albert, because I went to go and have a look at our nationals just before lockdown. And the, the majority of the stages were around five. There was yep. one or two below five. And there was one slightly higher one that was like an eight or a nine, depending on how, on how you ran it. So out of 24 stages or 22 stages, I can't remember, there was one hit factor higher than a seven. Yeah. You know, and, and that just clearly shows, once you start understanding hit factor, it just clearly shows that it's it's not just... A lot of people still believe it's just fast. You know, and I had this, this discussion with somebody today, and it's not just about fast. The faster the stages, the more accurate you have to be because everybody's going to be fast. The guy who's the most accurate is going to win it at that speed. Yep. I think it's it's something Steve Anderson's mentioned a couple of times is that if you look in, in, in your average sort of top 10 guys in a stage, their times are generally about the same. Uh, yep. You know, it's not like you're getting one guy running a seven-second run and the next guy running a 10-second run because the guy ran the 10-second runs at 62%. Uh, the, the top guys are running really, really close times and it, it comes down to score. And, I, you know, you look at, at, at someone like Gaz and I sadly look at his scores because I shoot with him all the time and it makes me feel bad. Um, Gaz <laughs> is consistently, even with a major gun, shooting 92 to 96% of the available score. As you say, Eric, Eric's 95%. Lubish has said to us as well that you need to be running between 90 and 95% of the available score. So now look, those guys, those guys are looking at a D like a miss. <clears throat> These do not happen. I I will I never forget, and I've, I've brought it up before, shooting at the at the Eurasian Extreme in Russia, and, and we some by some miracle we had all these really good shooters in our squad, and Nikki and I, and I've never felt so useless in my life. And Eric walks off a stage; it was a twenty-four round stage, and he'd crushed it. He had, you know, it, it, he's just his time was amazing. And you're like, Eric, that's really nice. And he's like, I shoot at Charlie, and and he was disgusted with himself. That he yeah. shot 23 alphas and one Charlie. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. If, if they shoot a Delta, it's it's just it's it's a miss. Uh, yeah. So yeah, Absolutely. I think it's an inter it's interesting that you bring that up considering the discussion we had on the weekend. Mm. Yep. Because we were we we shot the match on Saturday, and directly after that we were talking about uh, uh, looking at Gaz on uh, practical competitor and playing with uh, with with major versus minor um, he he can be seriously competitive with himself shooting a minor gun yes I do I do believe it it is possible but it takes you know it, you need to have the accuracy and and if I get into my training I'm going to share a little bit with what I normally tell people and I think Gaz will uh, will maybe remember this. You know, I believe there's a, whenever I do a class, and especially my fundamentals class, um, 
everybody asks me, what is more important? Is it speed or is it accuracy? And I believe in the theory of two sticks. You know, if somebody attacks you with a stick, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to put up an arm to defend yourself. You're going to try and ward off the, the shots. But now we have two sticks. We have one stick called accuracy and we have one stick called speed. And due to various various factors, you know, I do not control the speed stick because I might have many sports injuries through my career. (laughs) 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 You know, which may range from a wide number of things. And, um, but, you know, you might be the guy who's carrying a couple of extra kilos or you might be on the wrong side of 40, but on the, the better side of 50, depending on what you believe. But, um, you know, it's difficult to compare a guy that's 46 versus a guy that's 26. You know, and you're still shooting against the same guy. He's just going to be better and he's going to be lighter and his eyesight's going to be better and his reaction's going to be better. And it's just a, a fact of nature. You know, you cannot fight father time. So he's going to be a little bit quicker from one spot to another. He's going to be able to to bend down lower underneath barricades and all kinds of things. So he's got that speed stick and he's giving you a beating with it because you cannot control it. What you can do is you can put up your arm and try and block some of it. You know, you can work on your dry fire and work on your accuracy that you can take a further shot instead of having to run closer or that you just, your draw is better than his and you can get your reload stuck every time where he might not be doing that because he's still thinking of brandy and ladies. But, um, <laughs> you know, so you can you can manage it up to a point and you can control the damage that he, he gives you with that speed stick. So you can put up an arm and, and fend off some of the, the attack that you're getting. But you cannot take it away completely. You know, and then the other stick that you have, and this is the one that you do control, is called accuracy. You know, and we didn't join IPSIC because we want to stand and shoot as slow and accurate because then we would have gone to another discipline. And as much as I love all the other disciplines that I've also shot, you know, like uh, ISSF and 50 meter and, and, and standing and with one hand shooting at 50 meter bullseye, which is incredibly difficult. And, you know, guys, stuff like uh, BPC, which shooting 50 meters with your left hand around the left side of the barricade at a, si- a, a target the size of a Coke tin, you know, it's, it's extremely difficult, but if we wanted to do that, we would be doing that. We like to shoot fast. And um, sometimes we forget that we need to have to be accurate. But there's nothing that stops me from being as accurate as Eric. I can work on my accuracy. Nobody can. It's not that he has a, an advantage over me for accuracy. So I can work on accurate accuracy and be more accurate than I need to be. Because I do believe it's it's a trade. I believe that in order to to gain more speed, you have to be able to give up a little bit of accuracy. But if you have no accuracy, what have you get to trade? You know. So the two sticks that you have, if you attack me with one stick, I can put up my arm and limit the damage. But if I hand you the accuracy stick to beat me with as well, which is in my control, then where do I cover when you hit me with two sticks? There's no way. I'm just going to get beaten badly. So um, when it comes down to me, 
I believe that you need to be accurate first. And a lot of people don't want to hear that. They just want to be fast. And as much as we have times to be fast, we need to, to have something in trade. We need to be able to give up a little bit of accuracy to get a little bit faster. And as we've learned from Steve Anderson, we need to train these things separately. But each of them has got its place. But I can only control one. And once I control that one, I must never give it up to my opponents. So if you weren't shooting groups before now, best you start. And then start shooting groups faster. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, it's such a fine line now. But especially at, at if we put it into heat factor terms, five heat factors, five points per second. All of us can aim a little bit longer than we were used to and turn that Charlie into an alpha. And it will be way less than a second, and we're still winning. Exactly. The the only times that I've been competitive against uh, you, Albert, and and like Johan Wheeler and, and you guys, is if I've been above 92% of the score. Uh, it doesn't matter how fast I am. The moment I drop below that sort of 92% of score, I am completely out the running. I'm down into the 70s and down to the 70% of you guys, um, where if if I keep the accuracy up, I can I can be in the 90s. Um, yes, it's and that makes and perfect sense. That that is the one that you control, um, yep. and that's the one you should be controlling. Um, you'll you'll go as fast as you can shoot good score. Not, you know, I always I always say your your gun has got a speedometer. One of the things I always say in class as well that your gun has got a speedometer, and that's called the front sight. Or for you guys, you know, with the dot life, you have that little red bouncy thing in the screen, <laughs> and that tells you how fast you can get. You have to see something. You know, it might not be the perfect sight picture, but you have to see enough to be able to make the shot. But if you don't look at that thing and you ignore your speedometer, then the metro stops you and gives you a ticket, a speed ticket. And, a and then you have to shoot a CZ75 after that. So You see, yeah, you see. <laughs> you know, and then... <laughs> but, and, and the same thing, if you ignore that speedometer on your gun, then the auto is going to write you a speed ticket and it's going to be called mics and no shoes. You know, so they, there's your penalties. Yep, you need to look at that speedometer. It tells you how fast you can go. If you want to go faster, go and train to be faster. Exactly. And Steve Anderson does that. If you guys ever get the chance to go to his classes when he comes back out here, he does that separation fantastically um, of separating speed and accuracy into separate practice. And then he makes you do it together later on in the class. Uh, mm-hmm. Fantastic learning experience. Um, Albert and I were together on that course. That was, that was one of my, yeah. my f- best training experiences ever because I got to shoot with Albert um, and at that stage, I was highly interested in getting involved in classic. And the only reason I didn't shoot a classic gun at that training, to my own disappointment now, is I didn't want to load so many mags. <laughs> so I shot standard. I would shot classic. I would shoot classic. I should have shot the other gun. Um, so I would, at least you go for next time. Exactly. When he comes back, we'll uh, we'll definitely go and shoot that with with the skinny gun. Um, and and not not the cheaty rig. I'll I'll be there as well again. <laughs> I look forward to that. Exactly. I really look forward to that. So I would tell us a little bit about you. You mentioned that you uh, you won the pre match at World Shoot. You came. I think you said eleventh overall. Though you, I may have that wrong. Yeah, yeah. It was it was either ninth or eleventh. I'm not quite sure. Okay, so a long time ago. I mean that's <laughs> no, it, that is 
at a world shoot level that is unbelievably good um yeah but it to get into like the 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 top 20 guys at a world shoot i think is um most of us will never achieve that um it, it is a it is an app not not because we can't just because circumstances not everyone has the time to dedicate the training to that not everyone's willing to work as hard as you need to uh, to to get there so that is fantastic albert what else are your uh your, your sort of favorite memories from from shooting matches and and your biggest achievements that you hold dear in the sport you know these yo, that's such a difficult question i, I you know, know these, that's why it's in there things, you know there's, there's a couple of things that stand out and um you know, all of you guys have done well at matches, you know, and, and, and have won matches and a lot of matches. And then I want to clarify this. It's not always about winning. Um, you can win a match and it can mean nothing because it wasn't your best shoot. And you can have a match that you learn a massive amount. And I can tell you what, one of, the, one of my greatest learning experiences was in a match that I was DQ'd at two stages from the end. And at that stage, I later learned that I was leading the match with 6%. And I got DQ'd on the second last stage. And um, I learned so much from that match because it was just, when I look back at it, there's so many things that that actually is a a learning curve coming from that. And that you could take, there were so many takeaways from the match that um, it sucks getting DQ'd, but everybody's going to do that eventually. You know, you don't want it, but you can take it as a as you either winning or you or you learning. And for me, that was a learning experience, and I came back a lot stronger after that match. And um, but you know, there was a couple of couple of great things. I I think a lot of people don't maybe know, but um, in two thousand and seven, and these are probably two of the highlights that that I have with my shooting career. In two thousand and seven, I represented the Saps with. Um, Eugene Lurie and John Ilbrecht and Johan Atten. And we went to shoot the World Police and Fire Games in Adelaide, Australia. And at that match, I think I came third overall. Eugene came second. I think I came third. Then it was John in one or two places down was Johan. But our police team managed to win the match overall in the team category. And we became the, the World Police and Fire Games champions in 2007. Wow. And that's impressive. If you look at the, if you look at the World Police and Fire Games, it's actually a bigger games um, than the Commonwealth Games. There's more, more people and more sports there and um, more, more variety of sports. And then again, we went in 2009 and we went to Vancouver in Canada again to the World Police and Fire Games. And... Um, the team actually managed to, again, John Engelbrecht, just to give a, a shout out to my buddy there, he won the match overall. So he nice. became oh. the World Police, World Police and Fire Games champion in 2009. And the SAPS team again won the team championships. You know, so we, we those are probably two of my, or some of my proudest medals is, is being a, a World Police and Fire Games champion, even if it's just a team champion. Yeah, and um, there were some seriously good shooters at matches. Um, the guy who won the individual match in 2007, and just just to show you just how how good our team were at that stage and how good Eugene Lurie is, 
um, was Eduardo de Cobos. And oh, I think right. less than 2%, yeah, less than 2% back was Eugene Lurie and then the rest of us. Yeah. Uh, so um, incredible experiences. Like I say, Ipstick, the sport has, has shown me places in the world I would have never seen. And it made me, given me friendships that all over the world that still go on to the day. So um, that was probably some of my proudest moments. And then, of course, whenever you get to win a South African national championship title, that's something special. And every nationals that you win is something special. Um, I think last year my streak was ended, uh, but it was about time. And um, that was also a personal achievement for me. I think for, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was either six or seven years, I won every Northern Gauteng League that I've attended. Um. Yeah. And I also took the Northern Gauteng um, Classic Champion for for those years in a row. And then, um, and then suddenly arrives a young man with a wealth of talent that I think will is probably one of the best shooters I've seen. And uh, that's Ian van der Bock. And as I've said, you know, I don't mind getting beaten. And it's always brilliant to see somebody with that amount of talent come onto the scene and, and to shake things up, you know, because that's again a rising tide that's going to lift up all the ships. And I do believe that we will see a lot of Ian in the future. And I can predict, just as I said to, da to Gaz a couple of years ago, I do believe if Ian decides to go into Ipswich heavily, that um, he can go places. Mm. He's, uh, as, as far as I know, he's quite an accomplished IDPA shooter already. Mm. Yes. Uh, and he's done really well in the Ipswich matches that I've seen that he has attended. Yeah. No, he uh, including is, I, winning that one Northerns League with a uh, a classic major gun. Yes. You know, and, and I think, you know, if matches are properly put up and there's a good, um, how can we say, a good balance, balance between how many shots are in exposure, then I think a, a major gun will always still be competitive and especially with the top guys. Uh, it's our almost there's that just like shooting a nine ball gun because there's nothing better than a nine ball night in the live. <laughs> they are awesome. Absolutely. They really are. You know, so yeah, these are that, that's some of the highlights. And but I must tell you, um, I run a local match, which is our uh, practical or our Pretoria Police Practical Shooting Club, and. Um, it's a, it's a small club, mostly for police members, but we have a whole lot of, of um, civilian oaks joining the club. And we have our local club shoots or monthly club shoots. And every one of those matches is a highlight for me. I don't always do well at them because we try and we, you have to draw up the stages and build the match and run everything and auto and, you know, do everything. But I love the club. I love the club members. I love seeing people enjoy the sport. So every one of my club shoots at my at my home club is awesome. So yeah. I have yet to come and shoot one of those. You have been invited many times. I, I will come and join you. <laughs> <laughs> I have you been. Guys have, I, I have been. You guys have all got an open invitation. I'm sure the committee will help will will understand. 
<laughs> just, just to be clear, if we don't get invites, we'll badmouth you on the podcast. That's why Albert is being so careful. <laughs> it might be a once-off open invite. <laughs> we have an uh, you know invitation what? to stay um, home. <laughs> our shooting is good, but our vibe is better. <laughs> we definitely need to come for that. That sounds there awesome. But um, uh, yeah, you know, every day, every day um, that you get to spend on the range with like-minded people, to me, is a good day. You know, whether the shooting was good or bad, we we still have a lot to be thankful for. And and once you you go through a couple of things in life, um, you realize that you shouldn't take things for granted. And I think maybe COVID has taught us that. You know, we've missed shooting a lot. I know we've all done. And uh, just to be able to get out to a match and enjoy something that you love doing with people who share the same passion, there's nothing like it. So I appreciate every single shot and a little bit more these days. (laughs) Absolutely. Being able to get back to the range after uh, not being able to do it has been fantastic for my shooting. Uh, My performance has gone up. Uh, after a little rest period and putting in some more work and dry fire and stuff. Um, but being able to go back out and, and actually compete and, and see people that you used to see pretty much weekly and then didn't see for six months uh, is it's really good to be back. It's just, yeah, let's just put it that way. Yeah. Makes you appreciate whatever live round comes your way, whether it's at a match or practice. And then obviously at practices, getting to see people again and your friends that you haven't seen for so long is massive. Exactly. You don't realize actually how much you miss it until it's gone. Uh, Absolutely. You know, you think about it at a match, we, we're maybe shooting for five minutes and then we're spending the rest of the day talking shit with our mates. Uh, and having that taken away was really not cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you've got five minutes that you have to perform in game phase yeah. and the rest of it's just awesome fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Now, Albert, we've, oh. we've 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 hit on the topic a little bit, but I'd I'd really like you to go into a little bit more detail about the training that you offer. What what made you decide to offer the training, and and tell tell the listeners a little bit more about the the training you offer, and and plug it. How do they get hold of you? How do they keep track of all of that? Uh, let us know about that as well, please. Okay, um, I never really thought about going into it, and then. A couple of guys, and one one in particular, was sitting on me for a whole long time. Fricky Streicher, um, <laughs> <laughs> Leon Duplessis, Dickie Werner, and Neil Hunter. They started and they were hounding me. No, but we would like to have some training. Can't we spend a day with you and whatever? You know, and then I was lucky enough, like like I said before, you know, to to attend a whole lot of training from some of the top guys from across the world, you know, and making friends with these guys and, and being able to discuss tactics and, and shooting and shooting related things with them, guys like Eric and spending time with Chris Daly and, 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 you know, getting to, to just interact with at the various shoot, the world shoots with these guys and going out for a Bryant Air place or them coming over to our house and, and, and just discussing things and being able to see how they're training and what they're doing and being able to send them an email or, you know, getting a lot of info from them. And, um, you know, when I grew up with the sport, like I said, it was when with dial-up internet, 
He wasn't YouTube or anything like that. And I think a lot of the shooters nowadays are spoiled. You know, we had to sort things out for ourselves. <laughs> you had to make a lot of mistakes to learn something. <laughs> and these days, it's a lot easier. There's a whole lot more people that are presenting training, a lot more trainers coming out to South Africa. And um, just there's a lot more info going around that you have a lot more access to. But, um, you know, one of the things, <laughs> if I can quickly catch up to it, I think a lot of people won't know him, but there was a guy called Jerry Barnard, Jerry the Burner Barnard. Uh, he yeah, had like yep. a 20-piece 20, 20 VHS videotape set yep. of his training. Brother, if you ever wanted to fall asleep in your life, watch 15 <laughs> minutes of that. And then... <laughs> I couldn't, I had to put matchsticks in my eyes to try and keep interested. <laughs> Look, the intro was awesome because he was shooting at steel plates at nights with Tracer and it was amazing. But that guy could put anybody to sleep. And um, <laughs> if you could stay awake, there was some good stuff in there. I won't take that away. Jerry, Jerry Barnard is an awesome, awesome shooter and a legend in the sport. I'll never take it away. But man, I couldn't stay awake for that. And um, info was hard to find. And then a lot of people ask me if, to give training. And, um, you know, my current job in the SAPS is, is actually a firearms maintenance and, and competency trainer. Um, I have a natural like for training, let me say that, or affinity for giving training. I like to see people get better. You know, so there's, there's many times that I'm on the range when I actually – get goosebumps just because I see somebody doing something like, and I just love it. <laughs> so I also think I've got a, a bit of an eye to see what you're doing wrong. I might not always be doing it right myself, but I can see you're doing it wrong and I can tell you how to fix it. Yeah. But uh, that's a classic saps example. You know, we might not don't do what we don't do what we do. Just do what we say. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably get a disciplinary hearing tomorrow, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be out till Monday. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, <there we> go. <laughs> Anybody going to talk for me? <laughs> but yes, I, I love giving training. And, um, you know, I like seeing what people are doing and then trying to correct that. And just, so I decided, you know, it is not, I don't want to step out of my lane. I do believe that you need, you should stick to your lane. I believe there's very good tactical trainers in South Africa. I don't pretend that I am one. Um, it's also in a bit of a clash. I had to get some um, permissions or, you know, allowances from the SAPs to be able to, to present training. And I have to do that every year that I need to present why I want to do this and what I do. And in an effort not to do conflict of interest with my work, um, I do say that I only do sport type training and that's what I focus on. And, you know, I don't think there's a lot of people that do it. Um, everybody comes to me and they, they, they want magic powder dust. You know, everybody wants to learn the low, the, the low drag, high speed stuff. And I always need to say, come for fundamentals. You know, because yeah. high speed, low drag, is, uh, the advanced stuff is only the basics mastered. And unfortunately, and I've seen it a lot, that a lot of the top shooters even, have by some way managed to just luck it out to get to a level. Might not be the highest level, but to quite a level by just being lucky. 
and maybe every now and then connecting with something that they're not really knowing what they're doing. Or they manage to figure things out for themselves, but they don't quite know how they get there and they don't have consistency in doing it. So what I do in my training is I start from a base and I base a lot of my training and I can say this clearly, nothing in the world is new. So if you think you've got a wonderful brand new drill, go read up a, bro- a bit, brother. Probably somebody has done it a couple of years before you. So what we can do is we, we can give our own particular spin on the drill and we can put drills together to guide you along the way. And that's what my training does. It gives you a roadmap. Um, I always tell people there's no magic powder dust. If they do find it, they must please tell me because I also want to buy some. But um, I try and give you a roadmap to show you how to get from one point to another. And the only way that you can get there is that you must follow the map and you must travel the way. And if you put in the work, you will get there because you have a way of getting there. But it won't get you there overnight. You cannot want something or you cannot expect any results if you haven't worked for them. And I think, unfortunately, in the culture that we are now, is that everybody wants something immediately. Nobody wants to work for it. And that's great for guys that sell gun spares because if I maybe put this whiz thing on my gun, I will shoot better. No, sir. You would have wasted stuff for ammo. <laughs> so, uh, but it's good for selling stuff. But so, yeah. But yeah, um, my training is focused in, in particular skills and it's a progressive training way. So we start off and I give you a consistent way of doing things. If we start with the draw, I will show you a specific technique where we go. And that translates to your reload, that translates to how you're going to move on the range. Um, then we move into into my intermediate class, which is more movement-based, which will show you which is your, your entry foot and your ex- exit foot and how you're going to transition between targets and how you're going to leave and exit with the gun. And um, it works and it, and it builds up. And, but first, we need you to be able to hit what you're aiming at. You know, and for a lot of people, that is difficult. And I can tell you from personal experience that when I started shooting, there was still a standards exercise in every club match. You know, and we would always shoot up to 25 meters. And myself and a couple of my friends would go, how many shots did you, are you down? And we would hear other people talking about points down. We never understood that. We thought they meant how many shots did you not miss? <laughs> but once you realize that it's about points down and not shots down. And once you realize that my personally, my personal opinion is that if you cannot on demand and in your own time, shoot three alphas on demand in your own time at 25 meters, you will never progress at this plan. That is your basic accuracy requirement. Once you can do that, everything else becomes a lot easier because you need something to trade. You need to have that accuracy to trade for speed. And um, we first need you to be able to hit what you're aiming at. You know, one of the, the biggest things that, that I learned is that the quickest way to go faster is to not miss plates. Because every time you miss a plate, you lose a second. If there's a lot of plates in a match, you're going to lose a lot of seconds. And if you miss one plate, 
you're probably going to shoot at it once or twice more. And that carries on for every other plate. So my training starts with just being there to give you, to get you to be able to shoot accurately, be able to call your shot, and then we move on to being able to make a consistent draw and a consistent reload. Then I send you away and I say, go and do your homework. And then we move on. Once you can do that, we're going to put something else into the mix. Then we're going to start with moving and drawing, moving and reload. We're going to show you the techniques that I've learned from Eric and from Chris and from um, Mr. Anderson and, you know, from all the other guys that I was lucky enough to train with. And everything else builds on one another. But it's all sports-based. But then, you know, a lot of people say to me, yeah, but I want defensive stuff. And you know what? Being able to shoot fast and accurately is a pretty good defensive situation. Yep. Yep. I can draw my gun. I can shoot it fast and accurately. <laughs> That's the basis what of everything. What do you really want to do? Yeah. That's the basis of everything. Yep. So yeah, that's that's basically how we do. So uh, how to find me? It's basically go onto my Facebook page. That's the easiest, you know. Or and from there on, I normally just and then I've got some guys. Welcome to the gun show and um, defense SA and so on. That also put some of my classes on. And as it's not my day job, you know, it depends. I also like to shoot matches and I need some training in between. So uh, yeah, it's it. I cannot always say when it will be, so I can't plan months in ahead because uh, because it should work. <laughs> and today I might be working here, and then next week I might be away. So um, I do it as I can, and then uh, I normally put it on my Facebook page or send it around, and a lot of it is word of mouth. I've been lucky enough that a lot of it gets put on, and, and people will say, but you know, friends of mine, people who have attended classes will say to their buddies, but there is a class going and, you know, it, they fill up regularly. I, don't, I try to keep classes small. I don't want too many people because I don't want to steal your money. I want to give you personal personal advice and, and give you personal attention. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's not it's not something for me to make, to get rich off or to make a profession. It's something to, to help my shooting and, um, to help me to pay a little bit of the cost. And also, I love giving back to the sport. So, yes, that's basically why I do it. And, okay, now I'm giving away a secret here, but uh, you know what? Sometimes I think I learn more in class than some of the other people. <laughs> don't, don't, don't tell anyone that. Yes, yes. Edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the bit you want me to cut out. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. And so, no, it's, it, you know, I've been blessed with it and it's been good to me. And, uh, and I've, I must say, I'm, I am so proud of some of my students, you know, I, and, and there's no better feeling for me when we're at the nationals and I see it's one of my, st- my students going up to go get, get a medal or that is one match or some of my students have beaten me, you know what? And I love that because it just shows me that what I'm training is working and, um, there's no better feeling than that. So for the guys who want to get a hold of Albert for training or want to, to know when his training is coming up, I will link to his Facebook page. Um, I'm not sure if the posts are public or not. They might be, they might not be. Yes, uh, okay, so they are public. So if you if you have a look on Albert's page, which we'll link to, you'll be able to see those. But we will always, if I see them, 
they get shared. So uh, if you guys, uh, if you don't see them on Albert's page, you'll definitely see them on Welcome to the Gun Show. They'll, they'll pop up there as we know that they're happening. Um, Thank you very much. It, always a pleasure. So uh, I was talking about your training. So not, not the training you provide, but your training. Um, you're going to an exciting shoot at the end of 2021 that was supposed to have been at the end of this year. Um, how has that changed your, uh, your training approach with the fact that it's, it's moved the year? Um, you know what? I, I'm actually glad it's moved. Um, it was good to have a bit of a, a, a downtime, let's say that, and put things into perspective. And also just to take a break. I've unfortunately one of those guys who don't like taking a break. So it has given, given you time to put things down a bit, you know, and, and also to reignite the fire. Um, when we went into lockdown, man, I was dry firing in the garden and I was running drills and doing all kinds of things. And then eventually, you know, I got a little bit depressed about it because when will I ever shoot a match again? Why am I putting all this effort in and why are my hands bleeding from all these dry fire hours and I, and I can't do anything with it? And then eventually I decided to just put the gun down for a couple of weeks. And, um, as you get, as you sit down and you start, first you beat yourself up and, you know, it's all about that. And then eventually it's like, man, it's good to lie in half an hour later in the morning. <laughs> I normally do my dry fire in the mornings and then afternoons it's time for gym and the other stuff and, and reloading. You know, we're not really practical shooters. We're massive reloaders and we just blast them away very quickly. <laughs> but um, it was good to take a bit of time off. And to reignite the fires. And like we said, you know, uh, to be able to, to to be excited about a match again and be excited about seeing your friends again. And, and of course, it was very, it was heartbreaking because some of the friends you only see at the next world shoot. And it was heartbreaking because you were excited about going there and seeing your mates again. And as good as the world shoot is, like we said, it's the people, you know, and, and it you were also looking forward to going again and seeing your mates and, and having this great time with them. And now you can't go. And um, having that and, and getting over it, now it's ignited the fires again. It, it, it got me interested into to playing with the guns, changing things, looking at holsters set up, moving things around. It gave you a little bit of time to just sit down, you know, take things, uh, take stock of what what is where and what is what, and and just decide why you're doing this and how much you really enjoy it. You know, and sometimes with all the preparation and all the matches and all the stress of trying to make the world shoot team and then putting the stress on you of going, you tend to forget that you you're in this because you enjoy it. And this little bit of a break has been good for me for that. But now I must say, the fire's burning hot again. And um, we're back into the dry fire. We're back into getting into matches and testing things and training and, and finding those little things that you need to work on. And also there was time to, to work on stuff like fitness and, and movement and um, just letting the joints heal up a bit as well. You know, there weren't any gym for how many months. So uh, no more heavy squatting and deadlifting. You could do what you could do with a couple of, a <laughs> couple of resistance bands and kettlebells in the backyard. And, um, you know, it's given things time to heal and time to reconsider. So now my training, um, 
I'm back at it. I'm not going to burn myself out now. Of course, we're looking forward to the to the next nationals. But in the meantime, you know, still experimenting with a lot of things, putting things into perspective, seeing where your skills level are at, what to do, how you're going to make it better, where you want to experiment, and then saving it up for a for a big push in the next year coming. You know, so while we have a little bit of downtime, use it for constructive practice, working on weak spots without pressure of having to perform the whole time. So I've quite enjoyed it. It's something a little bit different. And um, I might even for the next Nationals go and join Gaz and his squad for for a little bit of standard game. Oh, there we go. Nice. Nice. It'll be a minor standard game, but it'll be fun anyway. It'll just, because what I, what I, my whole thing about it is to say, you know what, without all the bag changes, you know, you're going to focus on, on maybe shooting on the move a little bit better, getting into and out of position, position a little bit better. And another big thing, it's not something that's going to, we are, we are blessed because it's close to home. It's not going to cost us a lot of money. There's no SA championships to worry this year, as far as I understand, you know? Mm. So why not just go and have some fun and try stuff, enjoy stuff, and just enjoy the experience of being on the range with a whole lot of other people while still speaking to a 1911 because we know they're the best. Good, man. (laughs) I approve of this message wholeheartedly. Uh, we really need a different editor. <laughs> Quiet, Eric. I'll cut you out. <laughs> if I remember, I probably won't. Yeah, oh, no, it's too late now. You can say whatever you want now. Cornet's going to leave it in. Yeah, after this, no, you know, I think it's cut out. You know, guys. What? What I also realized that um, you know, you still need to have fun. You still need to enjoy what you're doing, and. That's that's something I also say to people in my classes quite a bit. Is, you know what? Not every one of us wants to be a, a world champion or wants to be a national champion. If you want to be the club champion, then put in the practice that it will take to be a club champion and do what you want to do. And at one stage, it was very difficult for me because I am so competitive and so driven to be to become better. Is that I couldn't understand that other people didn't want to be better. But you know what? The guy who comes to nationals pays his fees because he wants to shoot with his mates from all across the, the country and he still enjoys it, don't go and tell him that you must do this, you must do this, or you can be better because he's happy where he is. Leave him the hell alone. Don't spoil his fun. You know, so it's all what you want to make of it. If you want to shoot and you decide you want to go to nationals to have fun with your mates, then do it to the best of your ability to have fun with your mates, but enjoy it. You know, so... If we really look at it, winning a Nationals, Gaz, I can ask you this. Has winning a Nationals changed your life in any measurable way? No, not at all. Exactly. It's the same. We right. keep working. It's a personal, it's a very much a personal achievement. And yes. maybe for a couple of people that's around you. But it costs a lot of dedication, costs a lot of family time, costs a lot of stuff. So if you want to go and have fun at leagues, go and have fun at nationals, go and have fun at club shoot. You know what? As long as you're shooting, I'm happy with you, brother. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. And if you're listening to the show and you aren't shooting, whether you're having fun or not, now's the time to get started. Absolutely. We would love to have you. 
you're like not we, you're not really having fun. It's true. That's true. <laughs> well, it depends on who you squat with. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. <laughs> and on that bombshell, uh, I think we've uh, stolen enough of Albert's time tonight. But uh, he has promised to come back in the near future, so we can we can deep dive into a couple of other topics. So start thinking, and if you've got questions for him, um, start sending them through, and we'll uh, we'll start putting them in a little notebook and uh, give you Albert Volume Two. So let's let's let Albert uh, let us give us a final thought, please. Well, guys, thank you very much for having me. You know, it's a, it's an honor and a pleasure. Like I say, it's always good to, to talk to you guys, whether it's on the show or, or whenever. You know, and um, we always talk about um, getting a couple of breaks in life. And like I said before tonight is that I've been lucky with shooting and it's, it's opened a lot of doors for me. And that wouldn't have been possible without a lot of the people who have supported me. You know, as a, as a, a public servant... I don't, uh, don't <laughs> want that, the necessary, um, or, like, maybe, I should, maybe I should not say that, but as a, <laughs> as a, as a proper public servant, civil servant, I don't always have all that ability <laughs> to, uh, to, to be able to attend all these things. And, and for that, I've got a couple of people who support me that I would I'd just like to give a shout out to and to say thank you again, you know, and if I look at, look at these guys, um, I'm blessed with, with one of the companies that's absolutely the best in the world with manufacturers of holsters and, and all the, the shooting-related equipment and the guys who have always assisted me and always had my back with, with whatever match I've had, and that is Resco. You know, the guys, the whole Resco family, who's my shooting family and and probably some of my best friends, who make the best gear and holsters and belts and mag pouches and, and a whole lot of components in South Africa and across the world, you know, Rescomp and CR Speed is, is the winning ticket, even after all these years. And as soon as you go and try a new stuff or the next best thing, you realize that you have to go back to pretty much have to go back to a CR Speed because there's not really much that beats it. And then, um, you know, for my pistol, the Bull, Bull Armory pistol, it's the best gun I've ever shot in my life. You know, you asked me earlier why classic, because Bull. That thing just runs like you won't believe. It fits my hand. It, it's reliable. Dead stone, dead reliable. It's accurate. It does everything I could ever want from it. And, um, you know, I think with a gap in the market where it is now, I do believe that we will soon have some more bulls in the country. And um, people will understand once we see them again. And I think there's a big a big market and, and still a big future for the company going into into the future. And then, you know, every little bit that helps. I've got uh, the new Zero Mic Bullets and, uh, you know, the guys, Derek, you know who am I talking about, the guys who, who support oh, yeah. me there, with a, a brilliant bullet for a good price and they've been able to help me to shoot around and, and, and get things working. And then, you know, as I've mentioned many times tonight, for those who can't hear me, you need to go for a hearing aid test. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, with the very, what? <laughs> yeah, sorry, what is that? <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I was. I'm lucky to be sponsored by Sense, which have uh, adapted my hearing, my hearing protection, that I can actually hear what people say to me on the range. Well, not just standing there with a mouthful of teeth and actually be, still be able to to listen and to hear what you're saying to me and protect a little bit of hearing I have left. And uh, this is your your public service announcement. That cheap pair of hearing aid or hearing or hearing protection that you have, throw it away. Don't give it to your kid. Don't do anything to it. Cut it up. Throw it away. Burn it away. Do anything with it. Just throw it away. Get rid of it. Go and spend some proper money on a proper set of hearing protection. Because you might think that hearing protection is expensive, but I can promise you it's much, much less than hearing aids. (laughs) Yeah. To the guys from Sense, thank you for helping me out and keeping me at least uh, being able to still enjoy music. Then, uh, yeah, then, you know, everybody who supported my Eat Factor classes and my little business, thank you all. And I'm I'm proud of every one of you. When, even if you just win your club shoot, you know what? You make me proud of you every day. So, yeah, thanks, guys. Welcome, thanks to Welcome to the Garden Show and for uh, having me on. And I'm looking forward to your next interview outstanding thank you so much oh an absolute pleasure having you on i'm i'm glad that this is this is finally aligned and uh we were able to do the recording for this this has been fantastic awesome insights thank you yeah thank you very much thanks very much for your time albert we do appreciate it and we're honored to have you on the show um I would just like to remind all of our loyal supporters that we do appreciate you. And just to give some more in-depth detail on how the five-star rating works is the five-star rating starts at five stars and it ends at five stars. We would really appreciate any kind of rating you guys have. Cheers. Later, losers. Okay, one more thing, guys. Um, You can come up with it any which way you want to. But uh, you can have a lucky draw or a, a best question or whatever you want to do. But there will be three fundamental classes for three lucky Welcome to the Gun Show winners or listeners. You can decide how you want to do it. But um, once you've got the names, you can send them through to me and we will give three uh, fundamental classes on the house or on Welcome to the Gun Show for three lucky winners. Awesome. That is awesome.